0: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, Welcome, Melissa. It is such an honor to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Angela. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, I've enjoyed just chatting with you for a few minutes before we officially hit record, and uh, just talking about our lives in ministry. Both of us, our pastors' wives, we've been in the ministry for a while, and you know, you and your husband Chris shared this passion. You mentioned to me that your, you know, your hands were in this manuscript some, but this was his work and his baby, mm-hmm. so to say, and uh, and but it was both of your passions to see families equipped so that they could see discipleship as you know, actually doable in this generation. So share a little bit of your story, Melissa, how this came to be and, uh, and why this is so important to you now to, to, to share Chris's legacy with us.
1: We started out our ministry days in student ministry as many people do. Um, and so we saw what it was like when you had teenagers who did have a firm biblical foundation at home Mm. and who And when they didn't, Mm. um, by the time you get to the teenage years, that is a huge gap. And so, um, by the time we had kids, we both knew that discipleship and really teaching our kids how to own their own faith at their level Mm. would be very important. Right. And so Chris and I are both huge readers. And so we started reading everything we could get our hands on and he could never find the book that he wanted mm. to really practically guide him or us in what does this look like? How does this fit into our family? How does it fit into for each kid? Mm. Because our kids are all different. Right. And so even after working in a discipleship ministry for years, he still couldn't find the help that he was looking for. There are a ton of resources out there, but none of them were exactly what he was looking for. So the Lord really impressed it on his heart. Hey, you're you're gonna be the one to write that. And so that's that's how he started writing, write it on their hearts was he was he he said, Okay, this is a need. I can figure out how to fill this need. If I need this, somebody else needs it too. Right. So he had written most of it when he passed away.
0: So, and I'm kind of almost jumping ahead because we're going to talk about the principles that are in the book. I've read the Mm -hmm. book cover to cover and it's so good. I mean, I wish I'd had it. My kids are grown. I feel like we never stop discipling our kids to some Mm -hmm. extent, but my kids are Mm -hmm. grown in the fact that they're in their twenties or young adults, but man, I wish I'd had this years ago, because it it is very practical. It's tangible. It's accessible. I think the word discipleship, and then you put it next to children and we, maybe we think it's a little easier when they're like zero to five. And then we hit like, okay, it's going to get a little harder. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that it's, it's a really practical doable approach to discipleship, but I'm just wondering what has changed for you, Melissa, if anything, discipling your children um, since Chris has passed or, Is it just that you are continuing the same exact principles, um, you know, now as a single mom, which I know is not Mm -hmm. what you asked for and expected in life. So I'm just wondering, what if anything changed? Or I guess when I was reading this, knowing your story, Melissa, I was thinking, wow, what a gift that Chris had put all of this in place, Mm -hmm. not having any idea this would happen. So I don't know, speak a little bit into that for us.
1: Well, I kind of cheated because when Chris passed away, I had the manuscript or most of a manuscript. And so as, um, as I went through it and combed through fixing things, moving things, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the little adjustments that have to be done. I was like, okay. Um, he wrote this for me. Mm -hmm. Like this is here. This is a gift for, for us, for our family. And so, um, I was able to kind of cheat and start in with the discipleship matrix and Mm. with, you know, okay, I can focus on this element this week and that's doable for me, even though I feel completely overwhelmed and completely inadequate. And I do not know what we are eating for dinner tonight. Mm. I have no idea what's happening in five minutes from now. We may be okay. We may not be okay, but. I can, I can do this. This is something that is manageable, that is practical. And that even though I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life right now, I can do this. Mm. And so, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I mean, that's just so uh, that's, I'm not surprised to hear that, but that's so meaningful to hear you say that, that Mm. unbeknownst to Chris, he was giving you this beautiful gift and giving your family this beautiful gift. What, if anything, does it change your kids to know that this discipleship model is something that their own dad has put into place? I mean, has that helped this journey? I think that, well, I mean, our kids have grown up with
1: this, so they don't know anything different. That's true. They don't know anything different. And when I tell them, hey, you know, this other families don't do this, other families don't Know or understand that it's kind of it's hard to understand, oh, other people don't do that, you know it's like do you use a knife or a spoon with the jelly, like you just do what you do and then yeah. you find out somebody else does it the other way, and you're like mind blown wow. and so it's hard for them to really understand that other people haven't grown up in this context
0: yeah that's that's insightful i mean it's a powerful resource to have in. Now they can know that his life is being shared with so many other people. And, you know, if you're listening today and you're a parent, your kids are still in the home, or maybe you're mentoring the next generation, you're a pastor, a leader, you're looking for a discipleship book for children. I'm actually sharing this in Kids Church, Melissa, and Mm. I'm going to walk them through the HEAR journals and help us create one, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So even if your kids aren't young, maybe you have grandkids, I want to encourage you to get a copy of this book. It's Write It On Their Hearts. So Chris wrote it, Melissa finished it, is continuing his legacy, which is now available for us to purchase. So let's talk about some of these core principles that your family has grown up with, but might be new for some of us. So what does it mean to disciple our children in what Chris calls vulture culture? I know the concept, but I've never heard that expression before. And I thought, wow, what a way to phrase that. So tell us what that meant to him and, and how can we disciple in the middle of this vulture culture?
1: I think some of Chris's illustrations still came from, were holdovers from his student ministry days when you yeah. have to do, talk about gross things to get, yep. <laughs> get people's attention. <laughs> yeah. My son, my husband's been there many a day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we think about seeing vultures and what they do, the the job that God gave them. Hmm. They clean up messes most of the time, right? You know, things yeah. that nobody else wants to deal with, but they can come in and what was there yesterday is gone today. Wow. And so I think that if our our culture isn't bad, our culture itself isn't bad. God has given us beautiful things yes. through culture like yes. art and music and and, I mean, absolutely wonderful gifts that we have. But if we are not speaking into our kids' lives in areas of entertainment, education, um, information and in sports, like like he talks about in the book, if we are not intentionally speaking into their lives, then the culture that we try to build in our homes can be taken from us right. by our culture, because there's a lot out there that, that we don't want in our homes or that we have to figure out how to navigate mm. because we live in a fallen world.
0: Right. That's so good. And that leads me to a quote that's in the book. It says the great commission starts in the home.
1: Discipleship
0: mm-hmm. happens when we spend intentional time with our children. That's a way we can counter what you're talking about, where it's, it's just eroding. And, and I love that you said that, Melissa, that our culture is not bad. I think there's a lot of negativity thrown toward our culture. And we have to love Our culture where this is a culture we live in, we're called to wherever you're listening, you know, ask God to give you compassion and grace for your culture, but to use you in that Mm -hmm. culture to, to affect change for the kingdom of God. So what has a living intentionally, if that's what we're going to lean into for a minute, what does that look like? for you and, and creating opportunities for discipleship to happen. Cause it's not just going to happen. That's, that's the right. point that's trying to be made here. It's not just, Oh, my kids are just going to get disciple. Like there is a lot of intentionality here.
1: Yeah. Discipleship doesn't happen by accident. Well, mm-hmm. this, the kind of discipleship <laughs> that we want <laughs> that does Yeah, does not happen by accident. Um Somebody's discipling your kids, that's whether good. you are or not somebody they're getting discipleship somewhere. Um, You want it to be from you, from your home um, in the way that Jesus did. And so um, to be intentional means different things for different people. It means different things for each kid. Yeah. Um, I have one kid who talks nonstop. I never have to wonder what is on her mind. So mm-hmm. I direct those conversations. Sure. Um, We, we watch a show together and I'll see something that's not so great, questionable a little bit. And I'll say, Hey, what do you think about that? And so then in those moments, I have the time, the opportunity to hear what, what she already thinks about those and then say, "Um, what do you think the Bible says about that? And then, insert that in while we were just watching a show together just hanging right. out together spending time together i have one kid who doesn't like to talk a lot there are not a lot of words coming from that kid mm. and so we've made a deal when we're in the car together and i we have 10 minutes from here to your sports practice you have to say words to me mm. and so then i give that kid the space to say Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm wondering about. These are the conversations I'd like to have or if there's really nothing that kid wants to talk about, then I get to pick. Yeah,
0: that's good. <laughs> I love that. I also And so like... you, Go it ahead. it has to,
1: it has to change for your kids and for for your different
0: context. I love that. It's customizable. It's not, I mean, Mm -hmm. think about the disciples, even with Jesus. I mean, they were all different personalities. And even though his teaching remained the same, the way he was guiding Peter versus John or, you know, Andrew versus Thomas. I mean, there was customized approaches. I also like Melissa that you didn't just say, turn that TV show off That doesn't honor God, you know, you invited them to, to critically think about what they were watching and engage with the Bible, uh, which is a, a a different approach. And I think we sometimes think discipleship is just shutting it down, saying no, telling them not to do something. If they can discover that for Mm themselves and come up with their own understanding of where does this fit? Um, with the Bible. I haven't always done that perfectly, but I, I love that you've taken that approach. And that's a great, even that's a tip even for us right now to think, ask open-ended questions like, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think about that? Well, what do you think the Bible says? I mean, you might get an eye roll here and there, but it's good to get them to be thinking and to engage about it. So then you move on and the book really walks us through six facets of discipleship. He's an mm-hmm. acronym King. I love Chris's. Yes. Acronyms, <laughs> <laughs> which reminds me of like student ministry, but it's super helpful to remember. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with children, you want it to be memorable. You don't want it to be so all over the place. They can't remember it. You called it a matrix. I might've missed that phrase in the book, but do you, but what, how, why do you, why do you call it that rather than a model? Is it kind of, cause he does have these like charts and mm-hmm. ways you can do something every day. Is that what you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the big chart that puts all of the pieces together is
1: what he called the discipleship matrix. matrix. And that was just his way of just saying something fun I and like, and And putting all of those different pieces together, and that they complement each other. sure you can you can do one of the aspects and leave the others out, and you're still missing something. yeah so you need all of the aspects of this matrix to like create a whole discipleship plan in your family.
0: Mm, That's good. He said that early on, like, you know, we want to be holistic in the approach of discipleship and not just one. That's why every facet is important. I'm going to mention them, um, Mm -hmm. but we may not, you know, have time to get to all of them, but there's six facets. I want to lean into love because that's um, one that I felt like was so important. And, and he gives us the acronym of time, transparency, intimacy, meaningfulness and empathy that love Mm -hmm. is expressed through time. So talk a little bit about that. And I even noted that he, he said to, to lean into meaningfulness in small ways. So Mm -hmm. what has, you know, discipling intentionally with love looked like for you? Um, love is the foundation. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, you've heard the old saying that people don't care what, you know, if they don't know that you care. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that really is important for our kids to know that we love them mm-hmm. and to model. They learn how to love by how we love them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we can look to Jesus to see how he loved his disciples. And those are the things that he gave his disciples with love. He gave them transparency. He said right. in John 15, 15, he says, I'm telling you everything that you need wow. to know, I'm not holding back from you. Um, intimacy, that's, that's part of that. Like knowing one another on such a level that, you know, not just which flavor of Doritos is their favorite, yeah. but like what they're going to think about something and what, what they might say before it comes out of their mouth. Or you can see those wheels turning in their head and think, mm. Mm, I bet I know what they're thinking right now. Yeah the meaningfulness um we have to be careful with that one because we can try to manufacture that one so huh. much um i'm guilty of that all the time <laughs> huh.
0: give me an example um, of what you mean by that
1: well like i um i want things to be memorable yeah. and i want them to like oh remember that time when we did this amazing thing together They may not remember that.
0: Yeah. Who cares
1: really if they remember that as long as they remember the connection that we received because of that. They Mm. if if they remember mom loved me Mm. enough to do things like this for me, we're gonna pick those up as we go. Those are the those are the things that, you know, they may not remember that time you took them to Chuck E. Cheese. That was a that was a big deal for you because nobody really wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese, except them, but they will
0: <laughs> truth, truth. Sorry, E. Cheese, but it's true. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um,
1: but they're gonna remember mom loves me because yeah. we do fun things. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe, maybe not every instance, but they're gonna know, hey, mom loves me. Mm. Um and then empathy just helps them um and helps you. If you can understand how they feel, then you can learn to teach them how to feel empathy for others. And that is so important and something that I've seen both of my kids grow in a little bit um, over the last year. So, how do you, how do you think they're feeling right now? Mm. Or how do you think that feels? Yeah. Um, That's not easy to ask those questions. We have to remember and be intentional about asking those questions because our kids aren't going to say, well, mom, yeah. I think that this person acted this way because they were feeling yeah. anxious about something or fearful or, you know, they're they're not going to just spout that stuff off. You have to say, hey, um, why do you why do you think you may have acted that way or why right. do you think right. that person responded that way? And then you have the opportunities to talk with your kids about those things.
0: Yeah, it's so good. And I think time, it it sounds simple, but it's not as easy as it sounds, especially in a busy, you know, and I don't even like that word. I try not to use Mm -hmm. that word, but when, Mm -hmm. when schedules are full, especially when kids are younger or they're toddlers and you're tripping over toys or they're teenagers and you're navigating more challenging circumstances with COVID and parents trying to work at home and all those challenges that brought frustrations that came with it, or if they're homeschooling. So what we're saying here is this, this has to be, I'm going to carve out time. Chris mentioned that he met with each one of your kids. Was it every day or every week for 20 minutes?
1: They met together um, for about once a week. For for about two weeks or so. And it
0: kind of went through this matrix and and how things were going spiritually and asking some of these questions, Mm -hmm. which that was encouraging because again, that feels doable. It's not like you need to spend one hour a day asking your children all of these deep, thoughtful Mm -hmm. questions because they're Mm -hmm. just gonna want to get back on their video game, which that's another episode. (laughs) That's Molly DeFrank's episode. Go back and listen to getting them (laughs) off the screens. But the point is you gotta make time, they need your time. Um, I have two kids and they're not the same, you know, their personalities mm-hmm. are different. And so knowing what they need, um, Gary Chapman's book, the five love languages of children mm-hmm. is another great book that helped me to realize, wow, there's not a cookie cutter approach to parenting. One child might yeah. need uh, more physical, you know, presence, another, you know, needs to go and do something, an act of service is what makes them feel most loved. So being a student of your children and learning what helps them to feel, like you said, being clued into something that feels a little off here, what might they mm-hmm. be feeling or thinking? So just letting that love, even if look, we're not going to get everything right as a parent, we're just not. No. So knowing that we're leading with love can cover a multitude <laughs> of mistakes. And at <laughs> least if they didn't think we did everything right they knew that we loved them and we gave our best effort. And I think that's, that's so crucial. So let's talk about prayer for a second, because this is another Mm -hmm. facet. And uh, Chris praises it is asking God to bring the kingdom. He mentioned that no one can follow Jesus and reject the word. So we Mm -hmm. talk here in the make life matter podcast about grounding our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. That's another reason I love 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 what you guys, you know, have done through this book, Melissa is giving parents, grandparents, mentors, tangible ways to help children connect with the word. So how has prayer, and we'll get to scripture in just a moment, but why is prayer so crucial? And how do you teach your kids how to pray, especially when they're young? I think first of all,
1: praying. I pray a lot like my parents because that's who taught me how to pray. Hmm. So our kids are going to pray a lot like we do. Yeah. Whether or not we want them to. Mm.
0: Um,
1: so they need to see us praying. They need to hear us praying out loud. Mm. And that is not always fun or easy because we might not be comfortable with it. Honestly, like it may feel weird because maybe we didn't grow up that way or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you think, oh, well, somebody else prays better than I do. Mm. And part of it is realizing that prayer is a conversation with God. That's right. And we don't have to have special language and a, a, you know, a weird formula for like, oh, if you don't pray in this, if you don't pray it exactly like this, then sorry, God's not going to hear you. Like that's, that's not true. You can't mess (laughs) it up.
0: Yeah. Just pray. There's no way
1: you can pray without ceasing if, if there has to be a special formula to
0: it. That's good. And so
1: part of it is working on your own prayer life Mm -hmm. and that kind of steps on my toes a little bit. I don't know about anybody else, but, um, so that's, so that's one of those things that is more caught than taught in a lot of ways. And so our kids need to see us and hear us
0: praying. That's great, Melissa. It does. When, when you're talking about discipling kids, what you have to realize is you're looking in the mirror because if, if it's Mm -hmm. not happening in your own life, it's really hard to model and teach it with integrity. To your kids. And uh, you know, not that we're like I said, we're not gonna be perfect, but if they see us pray, yeah. they see us in the word and integrating the word into our lives, they're gonna be a lot more open and receptive to what we have to share when we're trying to disciple. So let's talk about scripture because it's so crucial to discipleship. And I love these here journals. I mentioned it a minute ago. So it means highlight, explain, apply, and respond. And in that respond mm-hmm. can be a piece of prayer. So Talk about doing here journals with your kids, your grandkids. Uh, What what does that look like and how can we implement this? So it really depends on the ages of your
1: kids. Um, If you have little ones who can't read yet, then you can just pick out a piece of scripture that you have read that day or the day before. And you can say, hey, this is a scripture I read that I want to talk about. Mm. And you highlight that scripture for them. And then you would explain this is what's going on. And this is what it means within the context of the scripture where it is. Sure. Then you then you can say, how does that work? How does that apply to me? Mm. You know, if you're if you're reading about love, for instance, then you can say, oh, I should love everybody. You know, like those verses are um, we try to make it more complicated sometimes, you know, and so our kids need simple concepts, especially when they're young. And so you can just figure out how, okay, this applies to us by this, this way. Yep. Yeah. And then how are you going to respond to that? Mm. That can be a prayer. Hey, Jesus, help me to be, to be better at loving others. Or you can say, Hey, the next time my uh, brother wants to borrow something or play with my toy. I'm, I'm going to let him because I love him. You know, sure. like it can, it can be very simple as your kids grow and begin to read on their own. Then they can begin that process and do that very same process with just a piece of paper, a blank journal or um, anything really that they want to write on. Some like to do it in a note in their phone. Mm. Um, or, you know, their iPad, they'd rather type it or whatever. And so like yeah. any way that you are highlighting a scripture that means something to you, yeah, you're able to wrap your mind around what it means within the context and then how it can actually apply to your life. That is getting the word in their heart. That Absolutely. is, that is a, that is teaching your kids to apply that scripture to their life, not just some concept that they're going to hear about, or, well, maybe I really should mm. probably think about things that way. You're, if you're teaching them how to apply it to their life, then when they are released out into the world, they're going to have that scripture in their lives, in their hearts embedded in them. And they're going to know how and where to go for those tough answers when they need them. Right.
0: And your face lights up, Melissa, when you, I mean, I'm on zoom with you. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see her face, like something shifted in your countenance talking about scripture. So I can just see in your countenance, what it has meant to you. Mm -hmm. I'm sure how it's been the sustaining force in your life. And we don't want to wait until a crisis happens Mm -mm. to all of a sudden try to learn what scripture means. Sometimes that is the catalyst and God will honor that. But Mm -hmm. if we can be preventative and like you said, hide it in our heart learn to apply it. And you're not just teaching them a verse. You're teaching them how to study the Bible for themselves. Yes. Really, they're becoming little theologians because that's a hermeneutical process. That's executing a scripture right there and looking at context and pulling it apart. I'm in grad school and you just simplify down like, here's what we do when we're going through scripture. So you're teaching them to think for themselves, become a critical thinker about scripture, about engaging with it, about while our culture is saying this, what does the word of God say? What do you think about that? How do we reconcile these two different narratives? So mm-hmm. like, like, like we're saying, you have to talk about it with your kids, write it on their hearts is the name of the book. But what you're describing, Melissa, is that is going to happen through engagement and mm-hmm. through intentionality. One of the um, principles that I found interesting, and maybe I was just specifically drawn to because I sadly, it would not come to my mind first and foremost, when we're talking about discipleship, but it shows how this has been lacking in my own life. Like we're saying it reveals what we need to work on. And that was rest. That Mm -hmm. is one of the facets of discipleship. I do not think we, number one, we don't do this well, Mm -hmm. at least in our Americanized culture, Western culture, and we don't model it well. We don't necessarily teach this to our kids. So, um, the book says restlessness is an addiction. Hurry is the drug. Mm-hmm. Ouch. That's so yes. good. We're that's that's rest- on my toes. It does. It does yeah. me too. And I don't even like the word busy. I try to, you know, talk to people about living lives that are flourishing and full and kingdom purpose, mm-hmm. but we can still get in a hurry. We can get restless in our spirits. Wow. That was so powerful. It's an addiction. We have to intentionally wean ourselves off and learn how to wait. And so um, he talks about stop to be still, to talk, to offer, and then to receive peace. Mm -hmm. So talk about rest and maybe especially Melissa in this painful season that you have experienced over these last 14 months, how has the rhythm and the discipline of rest been such a necessary part of your own journey and how we can help our children to embrace rest?
1: Rest is something that we had really focused on in our home over the last couple of years. You know, I think when when COVID hit, everybody got faced with, yeah. oh, wait, you have to stay home right now. Right? Wait, ah, I don't know how to do that. Right. And so that kind of broke a lot of people's paradigm.
0: Mm.
1: Um, we are boring people who love to stay home anyway. And so we were living our best life there for a little while. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> All the introverts said, "Amen." Right? Yes, yes. We were, we were kind of like, wait, you really don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're in the ministry; you're going nonstop. Exactly. Yeah, I shouldn't say all the introverts. There are a lot of people who are like, "Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this reprieve." There was, it just went on a little long. The reprieve turned into like, "Oh my god." That's that's true. Yes,
1: there was one person in my home who was not happy about any of it. My my little extrovert was was not thrilled with any of it. The rest of us, we were good. We were fine to stay home. (laughs) Um, but that kind of um, kind of showed us, hey, look what. Look how peaceful our home is right now. Mm. Look what things are like when we're not rushing around That's good. to try to, to get things. Look what things have become since we decided, hey, during this time, we're gonna shift our priorities a little bit. And when we step back into the world, we're gonna like we're gonna say no to some things that we had previously said yes to, not because they're bad but because it doesn't fit with what fits us right now. Right. And so learning to, I hear a lot of people talk right now about um, I'm sabbathing, um, which is awesome. That is, I mean, we're commanded to rest, right? right? The Lord tells us this is not an option. You need to rest. Hmm. And so people call it different things and it means different things to different people. Hmm. Um, I think I have I've learned to see it in my kids differently, not just, Hey, you need a nap, Yeah, um, which we can all tell when a young one sure. needs a nap. We, I can feel it when I need a nap. Yeah. Um, it's not just a nap. It's not just not going somewhere. Mm. It is slowing our minds and our hearts mm. to really be able to Give ourselves the opportunity to talk with God and to hear from him. Because when, when we don't stop long enough to hear what he has to say to us, then we're missing, we're missing it.
0: That's so good. Recently on the podcast, Asherita Chuchu, um, her episode aired and her new book, um, prayers of rest. Part of, part of the rest acronym is stillness. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's one of the more challenging things, like you said, just to still our mind, quiet our mind, intentionally embrace a posture of listening for what the Lord is saying to us through his word. Mm -hmm. And then just in that quietness and intentionally countering rest and Sabbath from what I've been studying and Sabbath is that honoring the Lord and and to know that it's really a trust underneath that is, do I trust God? Do I trust Mm -hmm. him that I can even rest and know that everything that needs to be accomplished is going to be accomplished and that it's not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to God doing this in and through me. So it's that relinquishing, that releasing Mm -hmm. to him and honoring him with our time, with our mind, with that inner posture of, are we at rest in him Mm -hmm. as opposed to a restless spirit? Like you said, I can be at home and have a restless spirit. So I'm glad you helped us to clarify that and to teach rest to our kids and to embrace it for ourselves and to know that God wants us to slow down enough to honor ourselves, honor those around us, but first and foremost, to honor him. So Mm -hmm. Melissa, thank you for the way that you're letting your life matter for the kingdom and that you're continuing Chris's legacy, the way both of you, have made life matter. Uh, before you pray for us, I always like to ask one last question and that is other than Jesus, who in the Bible has most inspired you to make life matter? Um, I think that's a trick question kind of, because oh, cool. that changes all the time. I know, Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it really can. That's true. Who is it for you right now? Maybe I'll say it that way. Right. Right now it's Ruth. Okay. And there are probably
1: some obvious reasons in there, but you know, Ruth, we don't know a whole lot about her, mm. right? We, there's a lot that we don't know about her. Mm. We know the important things about her, right? And we know those important things about her because she trusted the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And she made herself available to what he had for her. Mm.
0: And so she has been really important to me the last 14 months. Well, I can see that we may not know much about her beginning, but we do know the impact that she left and mm-hmm. man, what a model of obedience of stewarding, even our pain. Well, we want to steward our opportunities and our gifts, but a friend of mine, Jesse Seneca said once, we also have to steward our pain and that's mm-hmm. that shifted the way I looked at my pain. God can transform pain into purpose. He can use it. He doesn't waste it. But again, there's the the overarching thread here today, guys, is intentionality. We have yes. to be intentional about our own relationship with the Lord, intentional about the way we disciple others. First, our children, our own family, intentional about rest, scripture, prayer, stillness. And, uh, and obedience in the seasons yeah. to hear what he wants to, to say and how he's going to use even that season. So thank you, Melissa, for all that you're doing the way that you're just yielding to him, even in this season of your life, how can people connect to how would you like them to connect with you, with Chris's legacy to receive a copy of the book, go get it. Um, maybe to gift it to someone where, where would you like them to go? Our website is write it on their Okay. And
1: there you can find links to purchase. You can find links to our socials, and that we have um, a lot of free downloads there too. Tools for parents to use um, to help them in the process of discipling their kids. They're customizable. You can use them however works best for you in your context.
0: I love that, and I have a link to her website that you just mentioned in my show notes, so you can just click on it there as well. But Melissa, thank you again. We're also praying for you, for your family, for the way God is going to lead you in this new season. But would you close just by praying for our listeners today? Yes. Thank you.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for um, bringing us together through circumstances that probably none of us ever would have imagined. I pray that you would empower parents, grandparents, mentors to disciple the children in their lives, Lord, that they, um, will be intentional and that they will understand that you are not expecting them to be perfect, Mm. but you do expect them to be intentional and to love and cherish the killed the children and disciple them in their lives. Thank you for modeling that for us through the life of Jesus. And thank you for giving us grace when we stumble.
0: Mm. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at angeladenadiovov, and Instagram at angeladenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.